Today at Minus 3 is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel, and we love going on FanDuel Sportsbook to make those sports moments count even more in our wallet and in our hearts. Great odds and markets for the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, and so much more. Great new and existing user promos. It's America's number one sportsbook because it's easy to use. It's safe and secure, and you get your winnings in as quick as two hours. We love the same game parlay. We go on and on about that. Some good ones out there for you with those play-in games on Friday night and beyond. Discover the most popular same game parlays each day right when you log in. If you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now but importantly you must use the promo code minus three the word minus the number three so that they know we sent you and now letty spaghetti let's start this episode first time pitching against the twins seven perfect innings with 13 strikeouts and dave roberts makes maybe the hardest decision of his managerial career here but a decision that he ultimately you know feels like had to be made Minus three with Dave Damashek. Yes, hi and hello, sports fan. Welcome to another hot episode of Minus Three. We're ready to roll. So much to get to, but do go back and listen to the earlier episode with Matt Money Smith. Great stuff on pro football. Man, it's already exciting, and we're several months out. Good news is, like we already mentioned, we've got NBA and NHL and the rest to keep you warm. Let's say hello right now in a time of scandal on many fronts to one of the most popular podcasters of 2022. He really is a breakout star here everywhere I go. (laughs) Well, I can't wait to hear what Hench has to say about this. What about your old pal, Damashek? I've been doing this longer. Where's the, what's it? You know what? I'm not going to get Rogan's freaking out, man. I'm coming up so hot on Rogan's heels. He's worried. He's stressing. (laughs) There you hear his voice. Eddie Spaghetti's behind the glass. And it's Kevin Hench. What's the poop, fella? Where shall we begin? You want to talk about Tom Brady and what, what shenanigans he's trying to pull? Uh, I want to talk, talk about, about it all, Kershaw. We can, you know, yeah. So but I guess the theme of my fucking rant today is like, hey, do any of these leagues want fans? Is anybody hmm. interested in having a fucking fan base, right? So I was all ready to launch into, hey, dad, I'm going to my first NBA game. It's so exciting. I'm going to see my favorite player, Giannis Antetokounmpo, my favorite team. And, and it's like, oh, no, you're going to show up. Giannis isn't going to play. Middleton's not going to play. Uh, 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 Drew Holiday is going to play five seconds and get his bonus. Like, uh, why? Well, because they want to lose this game. It's like, I don't understand. I seriously do not understand. If somebody can explain to me, what is the difference between point shaving and what, what Stephen Ross is accused of in Miami, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second, with telling Flores to lose games, and just openly losing games. Like, you, people bet on these games, people buy tickets to these games, and then you fucking show up at an NBA game, and you go, oh, oh, they've decided to tank. They're going to try to lose this game. It's in their interest to lose this game. And it's like, Adam Silver goes, yeah, that's no good. It's no good. Yeah, it is no good. Uh, and some fucking draft picks have to be on the line. There's no penalty so, so the Bucks essentially tank to get a bye in the first round against the, the decrepit Bulls. And then the Celtics play their starters to get the two seed so they get to play the Nets. 
What fucking world is this, uh, Commissioner? What world is this? So, so uh, reward tanking, that's great for the fans, for the kid who just saw his first and only game, none of his favorite players played. Awesome. And I'm like, th- th- then you're like, does anybody want like that young fan to fall in love with the game? And then the fucking Clayton Kershaw thing happens today. I'm like, no, nobody wants fans. Nobody wants fans. This A kid is at that game and could be seeing something so historic I don't think anyone's even processed how historic a a potential 17 strikeout perfect game in 99 pitches. Like he was having the best game. In this Major isn't right. It's and it's worth it too because I know that there's always pushback to the immediate pushback that you see on social media. And initially, people went crazy. How dare you do this? And then some cooler heads, some smart stepped in to say, "Hey." a long season Clayton Kershaw some arm trouble he hasn't gone the distance in how many months or whatever short spring training and all that who cares he's at 80 pitches he wasn't this isn't Dusty Baker trying to trying to scratch out an extra third of an inning at 140 pitches this is you you gotta go for the history I mean listen if he gets to 100 pitches in at the end of the eight I mean you know whatever if he if he struggles in the eighth if he gives up a hit obviously then you yank him but if he Gets through that. It's crazy to me to to take him out for what it's worth and for however much you believe it. Clayton Kershaw said it was the right thing to do after the game. I don't Obviously, know he's not going to throw Doc under the bus and that, you know, he's a class guy. But to your point, Kershaw doesn't even have to be like high leverage max effort like it's a playoff game. Like he can he can just see if he can get through the eighth with 10 pitches, see if they'll hit three That's atom right. balls. And then he's got seven, eight, nine in the twins order for the ninth. And he's at 90 pitches. Like, I just think that there's no appreciation uh, for history, for, you know, how rare a perfect game is, how, you know, unprecedented a perfect game at that strikeout level is. So, you know, you have a story that could, you know, be historic, you know, set the set the media on fire. Hey, the old man still got it. You thought the Dodgers were big favorites before. Guess what? Kershaw's returned to his MVP form. But it's like coddle him. And obviously he knows his body. Um, but the other thing about the Dodgers specifically, you can build in now in April two scheduled trips to disabled list for him. Like this guy doesn't have to throw 250 innings. You buy yourself. That's why it's called a buy. They literally get a buy into the playoffs because they buy everybody's best players. You have Mookie Betts oh, and Freddie Freeman. Red Sox fan being wrong. Hey, watch it, check. Right, I'm bitching ahead, about the Dodgers. Go ahead, go ahead, no, go ahead, so, so, so you've bought Mookie Betts. You bought Freddie Freeman. You're going to the playoffs. There's no, there's no question about whether or not you're going to be in the tournament. So yeah, There'll be plenty of time to coddle Clayton Kershaw because, I mean, this idea that every pitcher's next pitch is going to be Dave Dravecki. That, that's how baseball, that's how everything, I mean, in the first in the first 32 games of this major league season, starting pitchers had four wins. Four. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, if you have a roto team and you're like – Hey, they won two zip. My guy was going today. Let's check this box score. Oh, he went four innings. 
He didn't get a decision. And he like, was extra fresh because he didn't have to go up into the batter's box and hold that stick for a few seconds. A uh, so anyway, so so just when I thought no sport can alienate fans more than basketball's tankapalooza at the end of the season where everyone's trying to lose to avoid that two seed, except for the Celtics, who, who by the way, so the Bucks don't play anybody. Noble so warriors who we must all now support. Is that right? Is that the so, angle? So, so the, the, but the Bucks don't play anybody, so they can guarantee a loss to Cleveland on the final day. And then it's like, oh, well, the Celtics play after they're going to play their starters. And then the Grizzlies, I don't think they played anybody under contract in the NBA. Like all their guys were in street clothes. I'm like, <laughs> this is a YMCA team that the Celtics are destroying. Um, and your reward for finishing second in the Eastern Conference is Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So I'm very I'm very bitter about that. I uh, that but you're bitter about it, and I have to say it's not a great look for the NBA that this is what they do as they come down the wire playoff position. But you do have to acknowledge gamesmanship and otherwise. I think the worst look was what the Lakers did. They're going into summertime. LeBron, do you think people? In the stands, pay top dollar to go to a basketball game in Los Angeles to see Austin Reeves? Or do you think they showed up because of the cachet of LeBron James, the alleged best player or challenger to Michael Jordan for that title in all the history of people? And he decides to no-show along with his two pals, uh, Russ and AD, in the last game of the year. Why? You have nothing but spring and summertime behind it. Go out there and play one last game. Who are you, prima donnas, that you don't have to show up well, when people reason, paid money to go to this thing? The reason I think LeBron was genuinely uh, hurt is because he he could have won the scoring title um, if he had played enough games. And I suspect if mm. he thought he could grit it out effectively because that would have been quite a feather in his cap to win the scoring title with that many miles on his tires. So uh, I'm inclined to give LeBron a pass. I don't give the Lakers a pass for firing the guy that just won the NBA championship in 2020. And then you saddle him with Russell Westbrook, who may have just had the worst offensive season in NBA history. And then you're like, sorry, man, you forgot how to coach. Hey, isn't that interesting that right when Russell Westbrook arrived, I forgot how to coach. What well, a coincidence. It's well, right. And as I said to Matt Money Smith, who's as great a Lakers voice as there is in the world, um, I think agreed with, is um, he's the least culpable. When you make the when you make the blame list for the 2021-22 Lakers, Frank Vogel's name is way down there, but you had to fire him, didn't you? How do you keep them after this? What are you going to do? You're not going to get rid of Russell Westbrook. There's no way on planet Earth you're going to be able to. You can indulge fantasies about purging uh, an almost $50 million contract. But who's going to take that off your hands? Nobody is the answer. LeBron, probably not. AD is certainly untradeable at this point. Um, so what are you going to do? Uh, you know, it's Jeannie Buss. I mean, she could pull the trigger on some people in the front office. But short of that, I think you have to get rid of Frank Vogel. It is wild when you just think about physically what the way basketball, where careers usually go and how long you can play at a certain level, that if you look back five years to the absolute physical prime of Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis, the idea that five years from then – LeBron James would still be the most reliable player on that roster. Like they are not effective players at this point, you know, and AD uh, has, has just gone from this unstoppable force to like 
a Fabergé egg who just gets hurt all the time and the desire seems to be intermittent, whereas, you know, LeBron is a sociopath who just wants to win every game. So, I, yeah, I don't know how you fix the roster, but I certainly think it's ridiculous. And then Russell Westbrook with the quote of like, you know, like, I don't know why Frank Vogel had a problem with me. Uh, let me show you your basketball card. Let me show you how fucking terrible you are. It's the best. And he's also got amnesia as though the last several stops in front of uh, L.A. were all rosy. Everybody was thrilled with uh, the Russ experience well, prior to him playing. This is a good segue with these superstar prima donnas who play themselves out of one city. Like, and everyone's, everyone is happy to receive the guy. Like, the, the new city is the mistress. He's cheating on his wife with you. You think you're going to get married and he's going to be cool. Like, the way James Harden just blows through fan bases and then goes, fuck you, I don't want to play here. So anyway, um, uh, uh, allegedly, and again, I reached out to both you guys because I'm like, is the sourcing sound on this Tom Brady story it's so crazy. Who cares if it is? Let's have fun. People talk about <laughs> stuff, whether they should or not. <laughs> Who cares if it's true? Who are we? What are we? We have uh, no ethical obligations on a All the commissioner's podcast. men? No, we're not held to some high journalistic standards. We're talking about so sports, and this is great. Here's why I think it could be true. Okay. As we've learned. Because it's Tom Brady, and he has a history of behavior like this. As we've learned from from Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump, is <laughs> that's that's whose level he's on now. Yeah. Wow, you well, turned un, hard against him. Un, unchecked narcissists. Oh, okay. I love the guy. I love the guy. I'm just saying he's he would land in the DSM under narcissist. So so what we've learned is like the narcissist will will cross the line and no one says anything. So then it's like, oh okay, let's see where the new line is. Let's invade Ukraine. Let's see if I can fucking handpick my city and my coach. Who's going to say no? And so then at some point in this process, somebody- I agree with this. I agree with this this broad uh, theory that you're laying out here. At some point in the process, somebody jerked the leash and said, here's who's going to say no, you know? And then, then, you know, I I love the theory, obviously, that that Belichick (laughs) got wind of it and (laughs) pretended to be senile (laughs) to blow it up. Because the last he thing he is, wanted. he is, he's, I, first of all, he's either a criminal mastermind or he just keeps, Belichick I'm talking about, or just keeps stumbling, oh, I don't know what happened. I, I, I say things like snappy chat and then people all laugh because I'm a, because I'm an old man who's out of touch with technology. Or in fact, am I so brilliant that I, that I act the dope and in fact, I still am smarter than all he is. Yeah, I think uh, that. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, well, I love I love the idea of Belichick and Flores, maybe inadvertently or advertently conspiring to 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 do this to take down Stephen Ross and Tom Brady. Well, I also like I think about um, my my own peregrinations and like when Sophie was going into kindergarten, uh, you know, we we researched the schools in our neighborhood and it was like, yeah, that's. That's not going to be good. Spaghetti, so, look up peregrinations, please. Uh, uh, we went to so we went to to Carpenter Community Charter. Shout out to the Cougars, where uh, where where your kids have matriculated. And um, but then so my so Sophie's in school at Carpenter. The show I'm working on is on the Radford lot, and then it becomes very imperative 
that we live there. You know, I mean, obviously for, to get into the school, you have to have a, an address there, but like, I want to build my whole life around this address. Brady, like if that Woodson thing with the tuck rule, that special, if that was his house, is that what, I mean, is that what we were, did you watch that? Is that what we were supposed to believe that we were actually filming that in his house on the beach in Florida? Like, could it be as simple as, Hey, this is where Giselle wants to live. It, you know, so whatever mountains you have to move, just end up here. And so then he starts to fucking move all the chess pieces around the board until he's thwarted. And um, who I mean, do we think that that it, that the Bucks? I mean, he didn't. It, it seems like something went wrong with the Bucks uh, that he wasn't counting on. I'm not exactly clear. Maybe it's easy to explain, uh, and I'm just too dumb to figure it out. Why was it all sort of scuttled by the florist news? Why couldn't it still kind of go through? At that, it's like, well, that, that it all ended. With well, that. I think you know. Again, supreme narcissist. The brand would take a hit if you were, you know, mm. you've got to be uh, above it, and you know, Rooney Rule, and uh, you know, I love, I love Coach Flores. You know, from the old days. So if he just suddenly signed up with the evil empire, maybe that was too much for him to stomach. Um, but unlike Harden, who's who's now played his way out of, of several cities, come on, Raptors. Oh, my God, this would be delightful if they lost in the first round. Not an impossibility. Um, At, well, we'll talk about that. But as our pal Coley, the Celtics supporter, well, one of the Celtics supporters uh, that we unfortunately Spaghetti and I have to deal with on a fairly regular basis points out like Embiid is everybody or not everybody's MVP, but he's going to win the MVP or maybe Joker is, but both are going to finish ahead of the real MVP who should be honest. And by the way, are any of them, if you did a draft, like, okay, let's do a playoff draft. You get to each take one guy. Is it any of the three names I just named for you? Is it Devin Booker? Is it Kevin Durant? Is that the guy that everybody ultimately would end up taking? By the way, Coley's been pushing for Jason Tatum, which isn't insane. But um, anyhow, I I do think that we hit the nail on the head, at least with the Sixers. We said the Nets. Remember we debated this? I don't remember. Dig up the audio or better yet, Spaghetti, if, uh, if I'm wrong about us being right month six weeks ago it felt like the Sixers like this is bad if this gets sideways and now I do think Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey I mean, they go out to the Raptors you you broom them both if you're the Sixers this is well what's this so is crazy a train about it, I, just to just to round I'm off sorry, my I know point, we got I know we're going back to my point is that is that Har- the way Harden was playing his way out of the cities you know was to basically go like we should we got to get something for this fucking malcontent we got to get some return, whether if it's 40 cents on the dollar, he's just fat and not trying. How long can we do this? And so then I wonder if part of the Brady thing was um, the Bucks just said, oh, we'll take zero cents on the dollar. You're not you're not playing for anyone else. And that Brady thought that no one would would call that bluff. But, you know, Rogers tried to bellyache his way out of, of a town and, and he's still playing for that team. So maybe it just works a little differently in the NFL to get back to that trade. What's so hysterical about the Harden trade is when we handicapped it, we didn't know that Ben Simmons had a fucking hurting. Of course. And it's like and the Nets still won the trade. 
Like without that's a crazy without, without the centerpiece that you're getting has not played yet. No, you know they say he's coming soon. Really, he's gonna fucking first game of the season is gonna be in the playoffs. But be, you know beyond that, it's just everyone watches the Sixer teams and feels like they've regressed. That that's a clear regression. So uh, uh, rooting for rooting for Toronto. Obviously, uh, it, the, the perfect scenario is that the, it's a very close series and that the flat earther Matthias Thibel costs them the series with, with his own epidemiology. Um, you know, he, We're rooting against the red, white, and blue. They're named after 1976, a oh, glorious year in American I history. Love, I love seeing those fans miserable. No one wears their misery. Not even Boston fans can, can be as as unhappy as the Sixers. By the way, whatever, I, I, I don't even, I, I really couldn't even indulge because I'm so tired of the talking about Philadelphia sports fans, but they cheered a guy who said he hates it with Philadelphia and they respect that, that he was honest with them. I, Talk about narcissists, Philadelphia sports fans, and their desire to impact what happens on the floor and how often it goes against them is really funny. But um, the other side of things, what did you think about uh, Pat Beverly jumping up on the table and all this stuff and the pushback he's gotten? This is the Minnesota Timberwolves. In my opinion, it would be crazy if Giannis did that after they vanquished the Cavs or whatever, if that once, or, or the Bulls once they get through that first series if he's jumping up on the table. But, of course, they've achieved higher things in, in the sport. I think, well, what, are, are we really such curmudgeons and or residents of Mount Pius that we have to deprive the poor people of the Twin Cities, both Twin Cities, by the way, who, by the way, have not been draped in glory thanks to their sports teams over the last decade or so. We can't allow them to have this moment of joy celebrating winning the, uh, the play-in game. Well, um, you know, Patrick, Patrick Beverly, a bit of a lightning rod for, for controversy. Sure, uh, I get it. Such, such, I mean, it pro- probably the number one guy I would not want guarding me in the NBA. Like <laughs> you would file a police report because he, like, if you're away from the ball, he'll just be assaulting you. Like there's no, like he's just, he's in, he's in your jock and he is bothering you. What I didn't know, and I think was part of that, right? was he's got some weird antipathy against the Clippers. Like, Pat, you're a fucking journeyman. Like, don't, you're mad. You, you thought you were, like, unmovable? You you thought you were a central piece of what they were building in L.A.? Like, I don't know, you're angry at the Clippers? That's the part I get. I, I, I do... I do get I get why he has a chip on his shoulder, but it did for the people that are saying that was lame. I think it's owed to them saying like Patrick Beverly made it about Patrick Beverly. It wasn't so much a celebration of the wolves getting over the hump. Fight. But uh, but still, whatever. Leave people alone. Whatever. We got to get there. Honoring the legacy of Doug West and Tony Campbell and Pooh Richardson. Fucking like there's talk about a franchise. With no history. The Pooh Richardson shout out works. No I like it. No history. I love it. It would have been great if he's like, I don't know in honor of KG. I don't know if anything is possible, but winning a game, rallying against the Clippers who have no postseason success themselves, yeah. as it turns out, was possible. Hey, I, you know, it, it is funny. This is a great way to handicap things, um, it, you know, from the gambling perspective. Like, sometimes you watch a celebration and go, oh, they know that's as far as they're going to go, 
they know they just they just won the, their World Series. <laughs> like, you know, I would always be like, mm-hmm. guys, we're actual contenders. So let's, you know, it's sort of like don't don't touch the Prince of Wales trophy. We're not interested in the Prince of Wales trophy, right? That's that's the way it should be. So what Patrick Beverly was revealing was like, yeah, we're going to lose in five, which is my bet, was my best bet. Grizzlies in five. We're going to get smoked by the Grizzlies. So let's celebrate right now. Hey, everybody, this is it. This is it. We're going to get the I get it. But t- well, because it, it's a series, not one game. But when that happens in football, how many times have you seen it, Hench? That the team that's just happy to be there is, you know, they, they, they carry no burden of expectation. That is what the curse of Sposta is all about. You don't want to be the team that's supposed to vanquish this, uh, this underdog who's out of their depth. That's what happened. I remember feeling the last time I ever allowed myself, the last time. I've ever felt in my gut and in my balls and anywhere else on my body that I have thought, oh, that's great. So the Raiders lost in Foxborough. And now like this, this Tom Brady, I mean, like the guy made a kick in the snow and now, now they're coming to Heinz field to play the mighty Pittsburgh Steelers. See you in new Orleans Rams. Let's get it on. That's the last time I felt that way because, (laughs) but I, I, okay. By the way, I don't think it's a ridiculous idea that the team was. It's not like, who, who do you think Memphis is? It's not like they have any experience either. It's a progressive league. You get to the playoffs. You get the you get a taste of it. Then the next year, you you win a series or two. Then well, you're ready the to make a title run. The Memphis ain't that. Taste. The Timberwolves got their taste, and they're going to get a taste of something much different now because the Grizzlies score 125 points in every game, whether John Morant plays or not. This team, they have so many – moving pieces and they they play so hard and so fast for so many turnovers get so many offensive rebounds uh that that series is going to be a blowout but to throw out your wolves in seven if you think i'm not gonna do that i'm not i i like but i you know what i like looking through the series bets available at fanduel.com slash minus three and the raptors at plus 550 i really want to see that happen because that would really be very funny after all the noise after all the time spent by us included talking about who won that trade sixers or nets it would be funny if both went out with uh <laughs> without a postseason yeah. victory that would be the, but the Raptors thing. are that they're they're not plus five fifty for the series. The Raptors are plus one fifty. Yeah, okay. Okay, I to, thought you to said win that. the series, the Bucks are minus eleven hundred to take care of the Bulls. I don't Bucks think anybody... and four. If you want some return on your investment, Bucks and four is a good bet. After they after they go up 3-0, you know that fourth game is always a little like maybe there's some pride in Chicago, but I, this year I just think the Bulls are are trying. I mean. The Bulls were losing at home every night by 20 to everybody by the end of the season. So uh, the Bucks are on a mission, obviously. They tanked very successfully to get this by in the first round. Uh, they, I doubt they'll drop a game. I don't mind it. I, I, I hear you. I would be very upset if I were a Celtics fan. And by the way, speaking, of, I don't know if I'm upset. I kind of I get it, but it makes me feel sad. Eddie Spaghetti speculates that the Rangers – now are kind of maneuvering so that they catch the Penguins. The problem for the Rangers is the Penguins are playing so badly that they might just be a wild card, and and that'll be that. But that that hurts my feelings when I hear something like that. By the way, funny stuff, uh, just quickly, the Pens were up on the island. 
on uh, Tuesday night and they got the poops. The poops have been going around. The stomach flu or whatever has been going around the Penn's dressing room. And two guys got it, Brian Russ and Evan Rodriguez, in the first period. And then they just never returned. And with all the injuries that the Penguins have had over the last couple of years, you're like, oh, my God, now the playoffs are here. And now two more guys. Oh, no, they just, they, they, they got bad tummies. They got now, does bad, that, they does got that bad get, tummies. Does that get listed as lower body or upper body? <laughs> It depends which exit. It's like, well, we'll give you a we'll give you an injury update. Um, yeah, it's backside. Out, I guess it's coming out the lower be. body. It's coming out the lower body. It's lower body injury. <laughs> the backside of the body, and that's all we're going to say about that because um, we have to hide hey, it a little bit. Well, but yes, it's funny I enjoyed. You that. mentioned the 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 NBA MVP, um, and I you know Embiid made a little push there at the end. Even though I agree with you that Giannis is the is the real uh, past and and present and future MVP. Um, but I was having a conversation on set uh, just just a little while ago oh, about um, about Super Bowl MVPs and how you know there have been so many injustices over the year. And I think one of the things we need to do uh, for the old Manning podcast is go Super Bowl by Super Bowl and and give the MVP award to the Holy real winner, to the real winner. And so spaghetti, you're going to love that, right? Well, it came up because the sound guy was saying, he goes, he throws out, I was talking about Edelman and Edelman needs to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm talking about Edelman's run, game-winning touchdown against the Seahawks, um, miracle catch against the Falcons, and then he wins MVP against the Rams. So that's that's Normal people Bowl. don't care about that okay. conversation, right. Hedge. I think you've gotten says, deluded talking to me. And, he uh, starts people talking like about, he says, he says, Lynn Swan. Uh, in Super Bowl 10, he said he only had four catches. And then I go back with, yeah, but I think it was like for 164 yards. Oh, is that, well is that, done. Is that right? Exactly, so so I'm like, you know, so yes, he's, he's, he's not a possession receiver getting, making nine catches for 82 yards underneath. He had four catches for 164 yards. That, that's worthy of MVP. What's not worthy of MVP. And did you see the catches? Did you see him? Did anybody watch it? If you watch them, what, what are we arguing about? But anyway. We're not okay. arguing. We're saying. Not you. I'm saying okay. people. All right. So people okay. were. Well, he's Lin Swan worthy uh, in, in Super Bowl 10. The following Super Bowl, Fred Belitnikoff, four catches, Bad. 79 yards, no touchdowns. Terrible. Terrible. First of all, Dave Casper has four catches for 70 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> so right there in fantasy, you'd rather have Casper. But I'm like. I'm saying to myself, because I said to the guy off the top of my head, I said, well, you know, you're complaining about Lynn Swan's MVP. The following year, a guy, four catches with fewer than half as many yards, won the MVP. And then I was like, what? how did they fuck that up? I was like, I went to the stats. Clarence Davis had 137 yards rushing on 16 carries. He averaged 8.6 yards a carry. Clarence Davis, we're going to get you this MVP award, brother. I don't know what the fuck happened. Like, how much did the press love Freddie Bolitnikoff that they gave him They gave him Clarence Davis's MVP? 137 yards on 16 carries. They give it to a guy, four catches, 79 yards. This is, this is. I, I mean, it's, it's almost too hard to believe, except that I'm a weirdo who thinks about these things a lot in my spare time, including when I lay in the bed at 3.30 in the morning. And I swear to Jesus above 
that I was <laughs> thinking about the first 20 Super Bowl MVPs this very morning under the cloak of night. And I was thinking about really weird that Fred Bulletnikov got that MVP. I swear to Christ, within the last 18 hours, I was just thinking about this very stupid subject. And you're absolutely right. And I wait, and you know, I always say I wish the league were or the, the voters were nimble enough in the moment that they could do cute stuff like give it to the defense because you could make a case for the Raiders secondary. You know, that's Fran Tarkenton making hay and everything, and they really shut him down pretty good. Um, and I and then I like 12 in Super Bowl 12, Harvey Martin and Randy White got it. Why don't we see that more ever since? It's very strange that, well, uh, that when they we do, do when we do this old Manning podcast, which I feel like we're we've started. You know what? This is the pilot program. We'll see if people like these uh, talking about Super Bowls that happened 46 years ago. Um, <laughs> but another one. Phil Sims deserved that one, though, Spaghetti. Don't you worry. We're not going to take that the, one away. In the same vein of like, do they ever look, you know, I mean, they do look at defenders. And I know that you can rattle the defenders off the top of your head. But like Ty Law scores a touchdown in to the Super Bowl against the Rams. The Patriots offense, led by Tom Brady, also scores one touchdown. So Ty Law and the offense score the same number of touchdowns. Tom Brady finishes with 145 yards. The defense slows down the greatest show on turf. Like, obviously, you got to look for one of these guys. It's either Ty Law. Right. It's Ty Law. You can look at the defense if you want to do it collectively. I mean, keep in mind, this was, in that moment, the all-time offense. No one could stop it. And the Patriots almost completely silenced it fine can make the joke and i will about the videographer maybe getting the mvp or adam vinatieri i mean i talk about talk about a nails boot in that spot yeah that brady getting it was was worse perhaps except the story was cute it was a charming tale that like who is this guy wait what the hell he was the backup at michigan and now he's he's won the super bowl two years later that was cute peyton getting it was was crooked that Peyton getting it over Dominic Rhodes. Dominic Rhodes. So that was okay. So you're you're we're on board. We wake up thinking the same thing every day. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you about Dominic Rhodes. I was literally that was the next one I was going to ask you about because that game. I mean, Adai had a great game too, and they kind of you know they vultured each other statistically a little bit. But Dominic Rhodes, that MVP had to go to the running game. Peyton had one TD and one pick. The running game. And it was a bad pick. And people, that is one of the more forgotten Super Bowls. What the hell are we doing? We, 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 we've got so many things to talk about. And this is what we're kibitzing about. We'll do old Manning cast later. I want to get more from you on Brady. Where are you? A long time Tom Brady lover. You, 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 you loved him. He's your favorite. He passed Yaz for you. And then Jim Rice, it was a forgotten. Bruce Hurst, who? I don't even remember him anymore. Marty Barrett, failure. Tom Brady gave me. He gave me everything. He made everything right for me. I don't remember I, I, what Glenn Wesley did in the play in the in the Stanley Cup final against Messier and company. That's that's ancient history now, because now I'm a champion, thanks to number 12 there. Well, wow, you know what's he done? What's he done? He's a skunk, Kench. Well, you know what's Admit sad? it. He's a skunk who's above the law. You know what's sad is that, like, you know, for a good part of the last 10 years anyway, um, I've, you know, I've had to say, like, hey, he's the best of all time, you know, like, and then somebody starts saying, like, he doesn't throw as good a ball as Peyton Manning or, you know, Aaron Rodgers is better, <laughs> better. And I'm like, he's the best of all time. And, like, the sad thing is everyone's come around. I, I don't have to argue with anybody anymore. He's so obliterated any argument that it, whether or not he, so my reflexive position on Brady is like, I get ready to do battle 
with the Joe Montana fans, and then and now everyone's capitulated. Brady's the greatest of all time. So now I feel in a weird way freed to, to now talk about what a fucking weirdo he is. Okay, but, well, we can talk about what a weirdo he is well, that, and explain this to me projecting ahead. Whatever has happened now. So he's back with the Bucks. Although you can you really want to heat things up, you can make a case that now this is a mere pit stop because the Niners are still sitting on Jimmy G. Maybe it could ship him still to where I predicted he would land in uh, in autumn of 2022 and head over and play for the 49ers, which with, that was the weird, like, you would play for the Dolphins? I guess to your point, maybe Giselle just uh, loves uh, loves uh, the Sunshine State um, and their uh, restrictive laws that they're passing. I don't know what she's up to. But anyway, uh, political correctness and like corporate etiquette and everything will carry the day uh, unless some trade or something like he winds up with the 49ers. You know, in August, it'll be like, you know, is everything cool, Tom? Hey, Todd Bowles. Everybody, like, you know, everybody like, hey. He's the best quarterback of all time, and we're happy to have him for one more year here. But really, everything's fine now? Just okay to go back to Tampa Bay? It's still, uh, Arians can say whatever he wants, but now in hindsight, it sure feels like Brady was like, all right, I'll play, but not for Arians. Put, put, I, I, but what is Arians, what, like, what's his motivation? The only thing that makes me back off of the conspiracy theories with it is that Arians... I don't know exactly what incentive. He's just so desperate to be a front office guy for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that it's worth the trade-off to wear that, or it's embarrassing to get pushed out by a player or something. And well, so he here, just how, how chose this, the line. How about this theory, which is is uh, not fully formed because I'm just coming up with it right now. But like, you know, I've always said that it's great having Tom Brady as your quarterback because he would much rather watch game film than play with his kids. Like he's just a fucking <laughs> sociopath who has no nerve endings or feelings. And so it means he's so prepared on Sunday and I don't care about his relationship with his kids or his wife. I just want to win football games. So he's the greatest quarterback you can have as a fan. You're like, uh, yeah, he's just like telling them to pipe down because he's breaking down a game film now. And I don't know the man and he seems to have done, had really good success at different ports of call, but let's say, let's say Bruce Arians is not wanting to put in the 18 hour work days anymore. But uh, Tom Brady's texting you from the facility. Hey boss, <laughs> it's 5.03 AM. I've been here for half an hour. I thought we were going to, I thought we were going to go over some game film. Where, where are you? Tom brother, they got a, they got a happy hour special over here by the pier. Come yeah. on, you come on, meet me over here. We can talk about it a little bit there, but not too so much. Arians may have been perfectly ready to meet Kyle Trask at the facility at 10 AM. And then <laughs> that could like, be, I am not going to coach that fucking guy again. I, would I, you, would you like, we've talked about it before and it came up and it got hot. I don't mind telling you, Hench, uh, uh, on this zoom, uh, podcast show the other day when we had Matt money Smith on and we, I, 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 I couldn't help it. It came up again. I, I feel bad. I don't know what happened, but somehow it came up again that Eddie spaghetti wouldn't trade going to see Pearl Jam for a <laughs> Look, he gets upset. How many times are we going to do this? Because I want to tell you, I'm making a point about yeah. something. I'm going to ask Hench a question along yeah. these lines. So money didn't like that Spaghetti wouldn't give up Pearl Jam shows for two years in exchange for a Stanley Cup. He questioned his commitment as a fan. Now I question your commitment as a fan, Hench. Okay. Would you raise one of Tom Brady's children 
maybe even just for one football, not even for the full year, would you be willing to, you know, kind of adopt or foster raise for six months one of Brady's uh, kids if it meant uh, one more title with the Patriots? He's going to come back home, but he he, he needs some child care. Of course, of course, of course, I would raise I would I would foster care uh, or whatever you call it. Uh, I mean, obviously, Brady's kids would be picking up the dinner check. I'd be like, yeah, give it to the kid. Yeah, he's loaded. But I'd also would uh, I'd foster all of Pearl Jam's kids. I, I like I'm like I'm very committed <laughs> to championships. This is my big my my big objective in life is to watch my kids win championships. That's weird. I would take I would take Eddie Vedder's kids if he has any. I don't know if Stone Gossard has kids. I'll take them, guys. We're gonna have, it's gonna be like summer camp. It's gonna be awesome. Hey, spaghetti. Were you at all a mother love bone guy? Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, because I uh, and, you know, and you would yeah. I I the Seattle story. It it's I mean every city you know has their rock band and then every every rock scene has their overdoses and su- suicides. But Seattle is so far off the actuarial charts in terms of Andy Wood, Lane Staley, Kurt Cobain. Chris Cornell, like every time my daughter Sophie's really into this music now, and then I we're driving the into car. grunge. Yeah, yeah, really, very much. Yeah, you know, Mark Lonigan just left us prematurely, and it's like every time the song comes on, I have to point out to her, uh, "This guy's dead. Don't do drugs." Like every every song, it's without fail. What's weird is, Je- you know, Stone Gossard and Jeff Ament survive Mother Love Bone. And then, and then Pearl Jam forms, and they are the only untouched supergroup um, in terms of literally being alive, right? Huh? Yeah. The uh, well, obviously the the death of Andy and Mother Love Bone kind of sparked um, Stone and Jeff to stay away from that, and uh, like, it, luckily the groups never really had to deal with uh, their own addictive. Uh, besides, really, I think McCready. Uh, had an issue, but with alcohol, uh, and that was a while ago. So I think they've, st- they've stayed relatively clean. The loss, it's like so, seeing so many friends, like guys that you, they were your brothers pass, I think kind of uh, did in the right direction. So they were, they were, I guess, benefited from that. Well, that's what I'm trying to do with Sophie. This guy, Mo, this you know what? That's funny. Dead. You're a good parent like Mo Damashek is. Pretty cool old broad she is, but I do remember that out of the blue, she said to me before I moved to Los Angeles, like, hey, please, though, Really though, don't get a bad drug problem when you're out there. Oh. Like what? <laughs> get a bad drug problem? I'm gonna start riding the horse, Mo. What do you think's gonna happen to me in Los Angeles? Well, you just hear the stories about what happens in Hollywood. So you're in the same place. You're in the uh, in the uh, eye of the beast, or whatever they say. So all right, let's get through these picks here now, Hench, and let's jump over to the West because I want to hey, hold on real quick because because you mentioned okay. Matt Money Smith and I and I just I was thinking about. What a great guy he is. And he's just one of those people that everybody who interacts with him meets him, you know, is like, oh, that guy's a great guy. And you're like, and then we had it come up in our feed where we were having this argument about whether somebody was like, whether you'd rather be Ty Cobb, an all time great who was loathed, or be like remembered as a great guy or a great teammate or a great friend. I can't remember who the, who the less, um, successful version of Ty Cobb. And I was like, people were really weighing in on like, you much rather be Ty Cobb. Like people are fucking like, people are like 
Ty Cobb is, is is a legend. It's like Ty Cobb had three people at his funeral because he was a fucking asshole. Like, what are we on this earth for? We we need to be. At, and I'm not saying Matt Money Smith's not also great at his job, but like, you want to be Matt Money Smith. You want everyone to go. I fucking love that guy. Not oh my god, I played one season with Ty Cobb. That's the worst human being I've ever met. Who cares about the four thousand one hundred and ninety one hits? Like to me, he'll just always be a racist scumbag, Ty Cobb. I'm a fucking, I could give a shit about his success. So uh, I don't remember. I got, I got to tell you, I kind of disagree. I, I think you're right. I think you're right. And uh, that's what I would say. And what most people will reflexively say, I want to be a good guy. What I wouldn't want to be known as a good guy who cares about what you do, but people want to be remembered. Hench people want to live on. And how do you live on? Nobody's going to be talking about what a great guy, Matt money Smith is or was in a hundred years. But people will still go back and talk about Ty Cobb's greatness and everything else. And I'll tell you, it's funny. You slip into it. I don't want to cast. Well, I mean, I, I don't want to cast aspersions about Deshaun Watson. What am I talking about? I don't know exactly what the story is. And so I guess we'll have to wait to say to see. But it feels like maybe he isn't the greatest guy in the world. But you can as soon as you start talking about football and the aforementioned Matt Money Smith was, was saying. And as a side note. It is really interesting in the AFC that we, you know, everybody keeps saying, wow, man, it's so loaded. It's so loaded. But it really does stand out in the sense that we counted off nine teams that you could make a pretty good case for. Like, yeah, that's a reasonable team to win the Super Bowl out of the AFC. There are, team, there are years where it's like, man, that that conference is stacked or that division stacked. But how many of them could you see winning the Super Bowl? Not many. This time there are like nine teams in a in a 16 team conference that you you know aren't crazy for saying I can see that team hoisting the Lombardi when it's all said I'm and done. So but anyway, to see when you start having that conversation, you very quickly slide into like you don't mention every time. That's how you that's how you move on. That's what the Browns are okay. depending upon with this. Is like the Deshaun Watson thing is like as you start getting into football and once the draft happens and like, ooh, they took that receiver and like, ooh, that offensive, you know, Deshaun Watson doesn't get suspended. Ooh, that, ooh, think about that. We're going to be tough to stop and that good defense. Like you get, you can't every time drop the asterisk of like, yeah, but remember who he is. You assume that everybody picks up on that, but it does kind of fade away for better or worse. That's that's the way conversation it, goes. It's funny you, when, you mentioned that because my buddy Jim Piddick, who uh, I used to play soccer with, and he's a he's a very funny actor. He he plays the straight guy next uh, opposite Fred Willard in the Best in Show. Um, oh yeah, guest. he's just so funny. But anyway, he's very just, funny. Guy, he wrote right? a memoir about all the all the movies he's been in, all the sets he's been on, all the people he's met. You know, and he did a Woody Allen movie and he and, he, you know, he didn't have any, you know, story about Woody Allen, but it was about the experience. And then everyone's like, how can you not be stopping every paragraph to talk about what a monster Woody Allen is? He's like, that, this is about my life. This is my memoir. Like, I'm not. But you're absolutely right that, you know, nobody can go. um I think the uh, I think the Browns are going to go nine and eight with that fratterist. Or, or whatever his, right, whatever exactly. his uh, fetish is. But, you know, like you, yeah. You, and, and you're right that at a certain point, um, we'll almost feel like, I mean, he'll write some checks, I assume, you know, and then, and then everyone will be like, well, not whether or not we feel like justice was served, we've just got to move on. And, uh, and, and the Browns were, were betting on that and they're probably right. I mean, look, I mean, obviously, I thought January 6th was like, oh, this this is going to be a sea change in this country. Like, 
we're going to literally need a new political party. There's no way the Republican Party can continue to exist after this. It's been laid bare what these fascist monsters really stand for. They're attacking the citadel of democracy. Three days later, it's like, let's get that fucking Glenn Youngkin in office in Virginia. Like, no, like, if anything, <laughs> net gain for the Republican Party uh, attacking uh, the citadel of democracy. So I think you're absolutely right. I think it's grim and sad, but that's the reality of it, too. And I don't know, like I'm trying to think of the most extreme, like OJ celebrated, celebrated, celebrated everywhere he went, including after football. Ah, it's so fun. Who knew that he would be so funny and naked gun? That was great and everything. And I guess in that with that one in particular, I guess the headline is uh, allegedly or, you know, was accused of killing his uh, his wife. I think that that will over. That will override the 2,000-yard season, probably. But yeah, I think that's right. I think people, it's easy to say, I would. Oh, I want to be a good guy. But I think people really covet being remembered beyond their mortal uh, their mortal years. Um, I, 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 I would love to do uh, an hour, nay, seven on that subject, because I really find it interesting. But let's make our picks here, because our time is limited. But you did tease one week ago, Kevin Hench, Hollywood big hitter, powerhouse, uh, power player that you were on set and you were going to have a special guest that would intrigue the minus three listeners. So tell us who it was. All right. Well, uh, why don't you get your hands on your buzzers, lightning round? Um, okay. I, I, and I'll start. Jim Piddick. What? Jim Piddick. No, I'll start. Uh, oh, okay. I'll give increasingly easy clues. Okay. Uh, we've mentioned him in this podcast. He okay. has somebody's Super Bowl MVP award. That person whose award he has is named Dominic Rhodes. Oh, Peyton Manning. All right. Okay. <laughs> I, was gonna say. I didn't know if you meant in all the podcasts we'd ever done no, together or today. Okay. I'd get out of this. Ah, how was pay? Yeah, that's pretty exciting, right? I'm sure. Well, I'm yeah, not, how much I'm did sure you I'm interact not with? Him. To say anything. But I always, oh, I'm always like, uh, I just play dumb. Oh, I, I thought you wanted me to promote it. Anyway, um, you know, the one thing for having that Brady Manning rivalry. And, you know, rooting for Brady and, of course, having to root against Manning and kind of hating Manning. And then they they literally, like a scouting combine, they did SNL, you know, within a year. of like It was close enough that you could really watch game film side by side. And you're like, well, Peyton Manning does that a lot better than Tom Brady. And so uh, we're, we're delighted to have him. It's a very funny scene. And, uh, and you, we already know he'll crush it because he's, for some reason, 6'6 six, six with a rocket arm and super funny. Not fair, God. Not fair. Don't mention Dave Damashek to to him. He one time, I think I've told you that story before. I'll tell it to you again very quickly. One time I was on his schedule. He was doing, I think it was direct TV. He was doing the rounds that where they, you know, they give you a 10 minute chunks and he just sits in a chair sure. for six hours or whatever. And just who's next? Who's next? And he's satellited into wherever. And so you, I'm watching the feed and I'm sitting at the desk, all mic'd up in makeup and everything, ready to interview him for my 10 minute chunk. And you hear him say to the PR guy off camera, who's next? And they, he says, uh, you can hear the guy say, Dave Damashek uh, from the NFL. And he goes, oh, cancel that. <laughs> because he like Kobe. And by the way, this is exactly how I'd be. So I respect it. This is I, I I'm not angry that he did this. I respect it. I just am I, I'm just jealous that I don't have that kind of juice in the world to do the same thing. 
I used to go on and on about it's inarguable that he doesn't play well when it gets when the weather turns sour. I, we, your Patriots benefited from that on multiple well, now uh, occasions. He's going to cancel on us if he hears this. So I'm going to say that guy was the best bad weather quarterback of all time. I don't know what you're talking you about, Dave Damashek from the NFL Network. I know you already said we're delighted to have him. What a what a Hollywood phony you've turned into. But anyway, yeah. So he, he canceled the interview because he remembered who remembers Schnook Damashek's name to the degree that they canceled the interview on the spot. It made me it made me it gave me a sense of power a little bit. That's also why I didn't resent him too much that I could stick in his craw like that. I li- and then I saw him at the Super Bowl and. Uh, he, he said, like, I because he said earlier in the year, I don't know who came up with this narrative that Dave Dam- that Dave Dam- that Peyton Manning doesn't play well in bad weather, but he can stick it where the sun don't shine. So I saw him at the Super Bowl and I had a book made up uh, called um, Peyton Manning Doesn't Play Well in the Playoffs by Dave Damashek. And I held up the book. I'm like, Peyton, I'm the one who wrote the book. I'm the one who wrote that book. Uh, can I take it out now? And he's like, no, you got to keep it there. And he walked away again on me. Ironically, he wanted you to stick the book where the sun don't shine. He didn't play well unless the sun was actually shining. Like if it, if there was any precipitation. Anyway, hopefully I get to ask him about uh. the tra- I get to ask him about the Tracy Porter pick six, and then he'll just walk off the set, and they'll be like, "What the fuck did Hench say? Did Hench even introduce himself, or did he go right to Tracy Porter?" <laughs> He's going to have heard My, that I think Dominic Rhodes should have won MVP, and we're just going to go, uh, yeah, Peyton Manning has COVID. He's not coming. Well, the overlap of sports and show business and all that, now that we're telling our uh, our war stories, another good one was – Bill Burr, world-renowned comedian, once came in, and my friends in Pittsburgh, whose radio show I go in, uh, uh, go on all the time, Randy Bauman and, and uh, Bill Crawford, said, Burr's a delight, and you will, as a, a guy who legitimately loves sports and crack and watch, you're going to go wild for him, like because behind the, he really cares about Boston sports. It's not a put-on or whatever. He can have real conversations and go way back with you. But... Do not mention Alf Samuelson to him because he really gets upset about that because he's friends with Cam Neely. So, of course, I mean, now it's a dare. Now I have to bring it up to him. And in fact, it has to be the first thing because I'm a child. And if I forget to bring it up immediately, it may we may finish the interview and then I never brought it up. So I bring up like, hey, I hear from Bauman and Crawford that like you really legitimately don't like Alf Samuelson. <laughs> and it really kind of cast a pall over the rest of the 40 minutes we had with him. Right, Spaghetti? Were you there? I, I was there and I was going to say hench uh, luckily on this podcast uh, thanks to FanDuel and Sal Toby we're allowed to use swear words uh, at the NFL we were not it was the most amount of bleeps I've ever had to put in a podcast I think I was like near 30 <laughs> bleeps from Bill he check really set him off that one <laughs> that's some state of the art because anyway, you guys are all delusional about that it's the most overrated allegedly dirty thing. They both reached for the puck at the same time. Um, Their knees bonked and Cam Neely got the worst of it. I guess you you had your head where you were supposed to shove the book. Um, But (laughs) like the whole point of producing is you stick that shiv in him at the end of the interview and that happens, happens, but good Mm -hmm. Lord, only a moron would lead off with the verboten question. Christ. I couldn't help it. I had to bring it up. I had to defend the honor of my guy, just as he wants the to defend Cam Neely's of honor. Samuelson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's goddamn right. It's goddamn right. You know, you, you, you. Uh, we're going to do the honor of Tom Wilson. 
We're just going to do the honor <laughs> of scumbags every week. He's a legend for uh, on the banks of the Three Rivers. I won't listen to you badmouth him. Now, let's do our final picks here for the NBA, these uh, opening series. Nugs, Warriors, fascinating one, pretty close. Nugs, plus 205 to win the series. Warriors, minus 250. How say you, Hench? Uh, that's a, you know, if I'm telling people what to do, I would, I, that, that's yeah. too expensive. I think the Warriors will win the series, but I don't like that price. So that's, so that's cowardly, I know, but I generally only try to throw out stuff that I would actually bet on and uh, little few too many question marks around that one. I, well, right. I agree with that uh, with, on, on both sides, but with, uh, with the dubs specifically right now. Um, you say you're going to take the Grizz. I can't go against you there. It just doesn't happen. In the NBA, I, you know, it is kind of funny if you tick through them and, and, you know, if you gather yourself for 90 seconds and I said, scratch down on a piece of paper, the four major sports, major upsets that you remember in the first round of any, you know, any, any of the major sports, you can put together a pretty healthy list for all, except in the NBA. You know what knocks around in my head still is the Nuggets upsetting uh, the Sonics and Dikembe laying on the floor and hugging the ball at the end of that one. And the reason you remember it is because it was it was such an anomaly. It just doesn't happen in the first round. So I guess you got to take the Grizz. But, man, they, the, the, the T-Wolves have uh, some talent there. And I do think that next year they're going uh, to be a sexy pick for people. Is that about right? Hey, Grizzlies in five. I, I just – there's just – they got way too much horsepower. And I'm – you know, I mean, I guess the game has changed enough that I should start to accept that your big man shooting threes is is the here and now and the future. But it feels like, I don't know, hopefully in the playoffs, a guy who actually plays on the low block, like, you know, Embiid when he plays on the low block and Giannis, like that's it's just it's just more to handle. Like Carl uh, Anthony Towns shooting 30 footers. I don't know. I think that's a, that series is a route. I don't think the games are very close. But a big cat from Pardon My Take asked a pretty interesting question, the kind of question that I like to uh, consider myself. That teeing off at 18 with a five-stroke lead at Augusta, if, at, would a hundred, uh, would, would, would a golfer with, so with a handicap of like, you know, mid to high 20s, I think you can only go up to, what, 36 or something like that as a hand, maybe not even that high for a handicap. Anyway, it, so if you generally shoot around 100 on a normal course, could you still win the Masters? Five-stroke lead, 18th hole of Augusta. Would you be able to hold on to that? I'm, I'm leading to another question here, but it is a fun one. How say you on that end? So I have to get a, an eight Yeah. at 18? Yeah. I bet I would I bet I bet would do that half the time. I, you know how you do it? I, what, what, I, what I figured out is the paradox of it is that – if you tried to make a four, right. you oh. probably wouldn't because you're playing championship teams. I'm going, and no. you, I'm going three iron off the tee. That, no, three, not even three iron. You go six iron, six <laughs> iron, six iron to the degree. That's how you do it. That, that's how you would do it. And, and then you would make it. You would survive that. You would make an eight unless you four. And I would make just like as, it would take me just as many putts as it took Scheffler. I think it's interesting. So golf is interesting in the sense in the same way that stock car racing is because the cars were designed to look like regular cars. So you found it relatable as a viewer. Um, 
uh, or at least that's the hypothesis I read way back when and assume it's true. But with golf, you can play it and you can do things. You can make a hole in one. You can make a birdie. You can do things that the best players in the world can do. And so you feel like you can relate to it. It's what for me when I used to play golf a lot when I was a kid, if I played well, I I wouldn't want anything more than to watch the professionals do it. If I stunk that day, I didn't like it cuz I felt far away from a professional golfer. When you watch that when you mention the 7-footers, I I'm a, enough of a snob that the guys I don't like, I don't care how tall they are, but they have to look like they know how to shoot a ball. And Giannis doesn't and and uh uh Cat doesn't look like they neither one looks right shooting the ball i think i could beat not i couldn't beat carl anthony towns i could beat Giannis in a three-point shooting contest how say you well i mean carl anthony towns was in the three-point shooting contest i just said i couldn't beat I him that's what i just said the i said he doesn't look right shooting the ball until the fucking ball goes in what, what's your definition of looking like a shooter? Jamal Wilson. He doesn't look right. He looks like he doesn't know. He's he looks Wilson awkward look shooting like a the shooter ball. Either with that fucking ball coming from his ear, but like it went in. Uh, Who? Jamal Wilson? Yeah, with the fucking court. Oh, look stroke. at that. Eddie Spaghetti has zero idea. Anyway, uh, I, Keith Wilkes for so the. I don't know what kind shooter. of shape you're keeping yourself in. From when I played with you in your prime, I would doubt you could reach the rim from NBA three-point. What an uh, asshole. Length. So I would take Giannis. Uh, Do you think you could beat Carl Anthony Towns? I hit 71 out of 100 the last time I did, oh. the, last time I did the arc at my house. <laughs> so we have a lot of things we have to do. Hench has to beat Carl Anthony Towns in a three-point shooting contest. And uh, Spaghetti still has to kill Putin. I don't know what's taking I, so I, long. Oh I, 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 it, it ain't cool. I don't, you're letting I don't, us I don't, I don't want to let Hench down even. Post it. Whatever your sis put it on a post it. Right. Uh, to do uh, list. Hench, my right shoulder. I think I have a torn labor in my right shoulder. It's pretty bad. So I need I need to see a doctor quickly. <laughs> get that figured out. Once that's figured out, then I'll be good to go. You got to save the world. We'd have no time for Anthony Davis style antics. You got to play hurt, friend. You got to go get him. It's just hard. It's the world's counting on with, you. With, uh, I got like, I can barely raise my arm past like this current point. So it's. Uh, um, so you're conceding? Oh, yeah. No, I, I, you're I saying wanna, that Putin will get I, you. Look, he, he, I have a weak spot and it's on the public, you know, it's on the ether. So he's going to target that. And then I'm, it's going to be, you know, I'm, I'm playing bit one handed. Hey, man, uh, Maximus versus Comatus, you can do this. That's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, see, yeah, he had, yeah, he just got shivved in the gut. He toughed it out. Um, what if you, what if, what if, what if you easy, felt like Putin very, was like. Don't let them, they will try to convince you not to get surgery if you have a torn labrum. They'll give you fucking Advil. But that is actually a very fixable thing. They'll put a tack in there and reconnect your labrum to your glenoid and you'll do your rehab and you'll be lifting again. But if you if you really tore your labrum and don't get it fixed, you're you're not going to be benching very much. Yeah, I know. I'm going to go soon because it's uh, it is detrimental. It's been about two months of this. and I've taken some time off too, and it's no, no fix. So and more bad news for Eddie Spaghetti Hench. Uh, he took a spill in the shower the other day. 29 years of age, he fell down in the shower like an old lady. It was a cleaning accident. <laughs> anyway, um, where is that, by the way? I have shoulder trouble, too, in the back. But all right, so let's talk about um, – oh, the other question I was going to ask you, though, Spaghetti. So let's say you have Putin and you're choking him out 
And like he's you you realize like he's only got a couple breaths left and then it's good night. It's the big sleep is here forever for for Vladimir. And you're like he's like but I have Pearl Jam Ohana tickets for this summer. Would you be like, oh, I can't take out a brother? Well, like that. I, would you let him go? I can't go to Ohana because I have a wedding, which is a big, a big issue in my uh, apartment currently because I'm not thrilled about that. That's my first miss since uh, 27. Well, I'm not counting COVID since I moved out here. Uh, so I, you won't sky. I, I assumed you would skip your own wedding if a Pearl Jam concert suddenly no, got scheduled. No, the, the warden is uh, forcing me to go to this one of her friends, so I'm, uh, I'm being a good boy. <laughs> Oh my God! It's not even one of your pals. No, it's not. It's not. That's it's. This is the true test. So I would, this I would take. I also, I, yeah, I would take a Putin because uh, I'm, I'm busy and also to, to be a hero of the world. Out of spite, right? Say, out of spite. Uh, you know if I what? can't go, you can't either. Say right, right before you fucking, you you finish him off. <laughs> say this is for Pussy Riot. <laughs> it's not even about Ukraine. <laughs> which is, you're a huge Pussy Riot fan, and you've been planning this for ten years. <laughs> Punk rock. I love it. Okay, Hench. It all leads up to this. We got some NHL playoff picks to make. I'm a little less excited about where that's headed right now. I Although I'm so excited about these NHL playoffs, I've already decided. We'll see what my heart decides when the moment arrives. I'm going to watch them even after the Penguins go out. That, the Penguins are limping home when everybody else is heating up. But maybe we can ascribe it to them just having the poops for a couple of weeks. You know, that's that is the working theory right now is that they that this stomach flu has taken the team down collectively and maybe they'll have a big bounce back and rise like the Phoenix. Nets, Celts, Nets plus 120, Celtics minus 142, not just out of spite, but it would be funny. I'm taking the Nets in this one, Hedge. How say you? Oh man. This is so horrible. Celtics in seven. Okay. Eddie Spaghetti, you want to uh, blow through your picks real quick here? Well, with that that series I was looking at before, I mean, it is funny that the Nets are are considered not the the like the Celtics are the favorites. And then but you, you see obviously like we talked about all year long, like where the Nets are still a lot of people's pick to win the finals. So I mean it, Nets plus one twenty, I just feel like getting plus money, you'd probably want to take that. Uh, in terms of the series and in terms of even the first game, like the Wolves I think are only giving um sorry not the Wolves, the the Jazz are only giving four and a half points, I think, versus the Mavericks without Luca. Um and there's no timetable for his return with the calf strain that like, had the MRI and everything. I just feel like that's gotta be that that's a gimme. Like I don't I don't see how they're gonna win that game or a series about their their best player one of the best players in the nba missing that time um and then for the rest of the series i think they're all i'm, I'm pretty much going to go all the all the favorites here uh i feel pretty confident in all those to take care of business and i'll throw another bet out that's way out of left field when if Fanduel ever um will put that up i'm not sure when the timetable is for uh college football but JT Daniels, a five-star quarterback, going to West Virginia to win the Big 12. I'm not saying – I mean, you're probably going to have Oklahoma with Brett Venables as the favorite. Um, you know, Baylor's going to be in the mix. Uh, but, it, you know, it, a five-star quarterback could change an entire program. So it, it's not the worst bet to throw out there. And you'd probably get a – you get really good odds on the, the Mountaineers to win that division. That might be a fun one. Well, I, well, listen, the big news for people from a certain region of college football America are excited because the backyard brawl is back. A great rivalry, not as good as Pitt-Penn State, but Pitt-West Virginia is a pretty good 1A in those parts. Keaton Slovis 
versus JT Daniels. Yins move off from uh, SoCal. He was both USC Trojans just a couple years ago, and now Yins is uh, going to go head-to-head in uh, blue and gold in uh, gold versus navy blue. I can't wait for that. That's the season opener for Pitt and West Virginia. Juicy stuff there. Before the proper first round of the NBA playoffs begin, we still have some play-in tournament action to deal with, and there are no sure things except one. Bet at least $20 in same-game parlays on FanDuel Sportsbook, and you'll get an instant bonus whether you win or lose. That's right. Not only do you get to enjoy the NBA's best duking it out for the right to advance to the proper playoffs, but FanDuel's giving all customers a bonus for getting in on the action. Oh, and the more you bet, the bigger your bonus is going to be. You got the Clippers, you got the Cavs, and we're waiting to see who they're going to hook up with at the time of this recording. Paul George, you know, ride his scoring total. He's really back like a Phoenix or like a Clipper. I don't want to confuse you with the Suns, but who knows? The Clippers could make some hay if they can make a run here. They're kind of set up to do that. Whatever team you want to do, ride Paul George's assists or get ready for what the Cavs are going to do on Friday night. Same game parlay is the way to roll there. Cobble three bets together into one. There you go, a same game parlay. FanDuel is an official partner of the NBA. The app is safe, easy to use, and you'll get your winnings fast. If you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, sign up today and make sure you use that promo code MINUS3 to make every moment more. Again, don't just watch the NBA play in tournament, be a part of it. Bet at least $20 in same game parlays, and you get an instant bonus, win or lose. Let's get in a quick break here. All right, Hench, any best bets you want to throw out before uh, no, we let you I go there? I moved Must- off of um, pretty chalky uh, Phoenix Suns and Colorado Avalanche that I've been on for a while. Um, I think that we, I think we're destined to see a rematch of last year's NBA Finals, and I think the Suns get over the hump this time. I'm sorry, you said Tampa Bay again? You and Spaghetti? No, are I both said the Avalanche. Oh, you said the. Oh, you, but who'd you say to the other side? You said. They, I didn't, you didn't give, give a, a I didn't give a, but you know oh. what? It's funny. I, I will say this: the I'm off. I'm I'm out on them. I, I spaghetti continues to yeah, ride I, with Tampa. I, think I don't think that Carolina is probably. Their legs are finally getting a little heavy after all these late runs. But I love the Lanch. You know, there's a there. We do a certain, super fun watch. We do a certain discounting of the Panthers because they're the Panthers, and the Maple Leafs because they're the Maple Leafs. Um, but I. I have a weird feeling in the new NHL where games end 6-5 that that maybe one of those teams that just outscores the other team can can go go the distance in the Eastern Conference and lose to the Avalanche in the finals. One of the things that you Hench and I connected on way back when before we ever met, we agreed on because it was rare, it's rare even with people who are diehard sports fans that they're puck diehards as well and you and i connected on that the worst title in uh modern sports history in north america the most damaging to its sport was the new jersey devils in 95 you're coming off of the oilers and then gretzky goes to the kings and the los angeles kings are relevant and the oilers are still good and the rangers are really good and the pens with lemieux have a couple of cups and then the devils just put a stop to all of it and then the year after that you get those same garbage uh, talent free florida panthers in 96 and the whole thing went downhill from there this is the chance Hench. i'm with you 
The soul of hockey can be reclaimed this spring. Make sure all the high-skill teams survive. There aren't going to be any bad teams. There are not going to be any clutch and grab yeah. jive being played on the on the whale side of things. And I'm with you. Connor McDavid is empirically one of the three best players I've most fun players I've ever watched. And I, I, you know, I'm not diminishing him, but man, McKinnon has a weird optic for me, at least this weird optic illusion that he's playing at a different speed. I know McDavid does that too. The way he kind of ghosts his way, like, uh, one of those guys in Matrix 2, those two ghosts who just fly faster than the other people when they're chasing him go through walls. That's the McDavid effect. But McDavid, like, I mean, uh, but McKinnon, there's just something weird about how frenetic he is all the time. And he's big, he's a big dude, too, but he just, it, it, it just feels unstoppable. Like, he's going to, when he's at the top of the circle, not since Ovechkin has anything been as scary on a power play as uh, Nathan McKinnon uh, waiting at the top of the left circle there to unleash. Anyway. And um, your, yeah, your I, pick of, uh, I'm convinced the Avs get there yeah, this time. I, I, I do. Out, uh, this is about a month it. ago. I think you threw out, you threw out Austin Matthews for MVP early. And, and right. that, well, cause they were going to, that could come home. I mean, is McCarr the favorite still or. Oh no. McCarr's not the favorite. Matthews is now. Is the favorite. he the favorite? He's okay. Get it. I mean, he's a prohibited favorite, favorite at this point, right? Spaghetti. But, yeah. He's yeah. going to get up. Is he, is he, he hit 60 already? He's spaghetti or is he at 59? Last I saw, he's at 58 or 59. Uh, but he'll, I mean, there's like what nine games left. I mean, he's going to blow past 60. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, health notwithstanding, the Avs, you know, there are a couple few teams that might be uh, tough outs on that side of the on the in the Campbell Conference, uh, in the West, uh, in the NHL. But man. It's time for the Avs to to crest over that uh, that conference and get to the finals already. With uh, with and by the way, Makar is uh, is a fun watch too, man. What he is something on his skates. Um, Derek Carr, muzzle tough to him. We're talking to David Carr, his brother. We want to check in with the Carr family and see how they're celebrating their justice served. Derek Carr, underrated as a lot of people have pointed out on social media, he. There was a time where it was like he's going to be the MVP. Then it then it became oh he's terribly overrated and he's a bum. And then in the last couple of years, like oh yeah, Derek Carr is in fact underrated. I we'll talk about that at a later date because we have plenty of time to do it before the things kick off and the draft and everything. But man, that division alone makes a pro football twenty twenty two worthwhile. I cannot figure out for the life of me who's going to be in fourth place out of those four teams. There's Can't wait for that guy that you'd rather be than Ty Cobb, Derek Carr. I don't care if he ever wins an MVP or a Super Bowl. He's a much better guy than Ty Cobb. You, I, you know what though? You're see, you're a nice guy, but you're not like that spaghetti. You've known Hench now long enough. When we would it, like describe Kevin Hench to me, like give, give me give me three words to describe Kevin Hench. You wouldn't be like, oh, the nicest. That wouldn't be what you would say about. Why him. not? Yeah. You why would not? Say, you would say great. You would say, oh, he's great. You always oh, so funny. Oh, world class comedian. Hench is working what? like tw- like 20 hour days and is finding time to to record with us and giving us proper. Don't hands try to curry favor with him. We all text daily about sports. Like, why wouldn't I say Hench is nice? 
I didn't say you would say he's not nice. I'm saying it wouldn't be the first thing I you would list about him. I see some fucking Pearl Jam tickets in Eddie's future. In Eddie's future, you get a fucking lump of coal. Jack. I think nice would be looped in as well as yeah, hardworking, talented, uh, ultra. Oh, uh, I'll let you guys. I'll let you guys continue. You probably have 20 more minutes to do on this subject. <laughs> No, I think we wrapped it up there. I think we've said it all. All right. Looking forward to the three-point shooting contest against Carl Anthony Towns, though. Didn't answer the question exactly, but he did mention the 71% uh, percent shooting percentage. Hey, if he from, shoots better than uh, 71% from three-point land, he'll beat me. Will you do me a favor? Sure. Give number 18 my best? <laughs> yeah. I won't do it at the fucking top of the scene. I'll make no, do it at, at the end. walking to his end. limo once we've got the scene shot. Hey, my buddy Van Gamishek says hi, that motherfucker. I'm, as we talked about the difference between narcissist and, and vain people, I'm a vain person. I would love to know if you bring my name up to him, if he's like, I've never heard of that person before. He's like that. Or if he says that asshole. And I don't know what it says about me, but I would rather it be right. that asshole. All right. Whatever he Have said, fun with 18. Whatever he says, I'm going to say I feel the same way. Whatever he okay, says. Okay, good. That's okay. fair. That's fair. All right. There he goes. Nice guy and world-class hardworking guy, Kevin Hench. And you know what, Spaghetti? I think there's nothing left to say here. We've done it all this week. Great stuff with Hench there. Great stuff with Matt Money Smith earlier in the week. Go back and listen to that. A rangy one there. Like I mentioned, some great uh, NBA insights, specifically with the Lakers and uh, on pro football, his Chargers, the AFC in general. And then we had uh, lots of fun talking about music. Um, with Eddie Spaghetti and uh, and uh, uh, Matt Money Smith there too. So go back and listen to that one. And then go listen to all the other shows on the Extra Points Network, including Extra Points, me, Cousin Sal, Marty Weiss, and all the other fine programming available to you. Go to theextrapoints.com arcade. Play against us, with us. You might win a shiny new prize that way. And until after the weekend, when we'll come back and break it all down for you. Thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>